Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. I Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! So what if he took the MCATs? He's still not good enough for Pam. That is a quote from Robert De Niro's character in Meet the Parents. Hello, and welcome to <laughs> Little Marty, the only podcast that I'm aware of where you can win money just by listening. My name is Eric <laughs> Halloween. And my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Imagine if we just had money to give away to listeners. We do, how many listeners do you think we would have? Uh, at at least five or six. I mean, easy, right? Right. Yeah. Which is at least four or five more than we have right now. Yeah. There's. Yeah. We have four. Yeah. We have about. We have exactly two listeners per episode. Uh, they're never the same yeah. two people. <laughs> yeah, that's by choice too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have people, podcasters don't generally know about this, but there are settings that you can set in uh, Stitcher. Well, exactly, you can, like, yeah. You can, you can limit the amount of people that hear your episode. Right, and we do that, and that is, uh, that is to our benefit, and a lot of people may not know why that would benefit us, like why on earth would yeah. we want that? And it's like, well, uh, take a, why don't you walk a mile in our shoes, and then yeah. maybe... maybe uh, examine that question again and the 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 two listeners that are allowed to listen to this podcast martin scorsese and adam sandler hey <laughs> how course. you doing guys yeah and hey uh it's it thank you so much for all that you do all that you've done uh we certainly right. appreciate you but uh let's just say marty we got notes adam no notes marty we got notes <laughs> i probably will like in the long run have more critiques of I, w- I will be more. <laughs> I actually now that I'm saying now that I'm saying this, I realize that we're going to be covering like fifty first dates and Spanglish and yeah. films like that. I was going to say I would probably have more critiques of of Scorsese's uh, work, but that's that cannot be true. It's gonna be. I mean, I don't actually. I'm actually looking forward to Spanglish. I don't know if that's a good movie or not, but I <laughs> I, I so. definitely I you don't think so. I definitely <laughs> no. think that like. Uh, Martin Scorsese's films, there, it's there's something about them like maybe that turns your brain on to film criticism, you know? Right. Makes right. you think. Makes you think along those lines of like, you know, what do I? Th- how do I feel about this? Is this good? You know, um, as opposed to Adam Sandler, where it's like, basically, all it has to be is funny, and he wins. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese movies are like wine. <laughs> You know, and a Sandler movie is like, uh, what's the stuff that was, uh, like outlawed? Oh, uh, for loco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just has to be they're just not different stale. things. Yeah, they're different yeah. things for sure. I think, I, I think there is something to that though. We're like at you know we judge an Adam Sandler movie based on whether or not it's funny. You know, the bits are good, original. Do they hold up? Uh, Martin Scorsese, but we're never looking at an Adam Sandler movie for like the shots. You know, like. Is the no. shot lined up right? Is uh, is the how's the pacing? What's the editing like? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's just there's a, there's what a I like, different thing. What I like about Sandler is we are eventually going to get to that point where we're going to talk about 
uncut gems. We're going to talk. I mean, are we going to do another punch drunk episode? I say yes, but yeah, um, I say yes. I also think we should do another casino revisit too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so that's what I was saying on a previous episode. Is I would like to see Scorsese, and maybe I haven't seen every Scorsese movie, not even close. But I would like to see him try and do like a wacky comedy. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I don't even think that he would necessarily be good at it. I just want right. to see that. Right, right. Um, I I don't know if he'd be good at it or not. I think I and now maybe not so much, just because he's pretty old now. I feel like <laughs> I I feel like maybe it'd be it'd be a, it'd be a challenge, but uh, to have the energy, you know. But I think um, back in the day, back in like the nineties. I bet he. I bet he could have done it. He made I mean, a Michael, some of his characters like videos. So I think his like New York Italian characters, which we you know we get a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. Um, like these, like this is like from what I've gathered, like these characters is so close to like uh, real life for his like upbringing. You know, right? And the neighborhood that he grew up in. Um. Do you could you see these characters hanging out with the cast of Little Nicky though? <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I could see him. You know, hang, hanging out for a little bit, listening to what did they play? Chicago backwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and has the sat- satanic messages. Um, Jeremy, before we get before we get too deep into Mean Streets, and this is a podcast about Martin Scorsese, Adam Sandler. This is the Mean Streets episode, but some people don't know this, Jeremy. We have a, another podcast that we actually care. We we actually like. We actually care about like. it. <laughs> we like doing it, and we care about it. That's true. We do like doing it. We do care about it. Yeah. And Unlike it is, this of, one. It is, of course, a podcast that you can find on Patreon, though. That's the thing. It's on patreon.com slash super MP. Uh, sorry, uh, Eric and Jeremy. <laughs> Super NPC Radio is my other Patreon. Wow, I'm, I'm but it's worse. It it's a worse Patreon, so don't ever <laughs> go there. Uh, go to the go to the go to the uh, Eric and Jeremy one. Yeah, and I will be uh, offering access to our bonus episodes for four dollars a month on my own personal Patreon. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com/slash Eric. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's see if that's been taken. Hold on, patreon.com slash Eric. Slash Eric. Just see if there's anything over there. What's the what's the uh, latest on patreon.com slash Eric? Someone uh okay, there is someone here. Uh who Oh, it's just someone who like subscribes to Patreons. Okay. Oh. That's disappointing. It's a user. Um yeah, a user. Jeremy, so we're talking mean streets. You better believe it. Uh have you seen this movie before i did uh, a very long time ago um uh, back in college i watched mean streets because i was on a, a scorsese kick and i was mm. getting into all of his all of his films and i and i um you know really wanted to see the film that everyone said is kind of like his reservoir dogs you know what i mean his like his first foray into filmmaking Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched it, and I gotta say, I I remembered a lot more than I thought. But if you would have asked me, you know, if you'd asked me beforehand, like, hey, what's what's this movie about, and tell me what happens in it, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you. 
and I think there might there's a little bit of a reason for that. Like it, the film is kind of all over the map as far as the things that happen in it and sort of what it's about. But but yeah, I I remember liking it okay, but definitely thinking like, oh, I like his later stuff much better, and you know, he kind of grows into his. Uh, he kind of grows into himself, you know, o- over time. Um, cause I'm a huge taxi driver fan. I really like taxi driver. Um, and, uh, so, so going back to this film, it's kind of, but it, I, I will say, uh, you know, back in the day, I remember, I remember I did find De Niro charming and I remember lo- loving all the music and just the way it's kind of shot and, um, so I, I had positive feelings about it, but I, I am curious though. Have you seen this? Uh, have you seen this movie before? Jeremy, I also watched, I think this is the only way you, you watch Mean Streets is when you're on a Scorsese kick in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rented it from the library that I was working at. I was, uh, I, yeah, I watched this in like Raging Bowl for the first time. In, oh, yeah. I think the same night. It was weird. And, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I, I, you know, my, my, uh, my first impression of this movie was not, uh, I don't know, I don't remember what I, I guess it wasn't that memorable because I don't really remember what I felt about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, Mean Streets is one that I've been like <laughs> looking for. I'm glad that we got to this point because this is where I think, in my opinion, and. I think you might agree with this. I think we're like finally actually getting into Scorsese. Like yeah, we're, we're getting exactly. in. This feels like a Scorsese movie. It feels like an early Scorsese movie. But if I saw this on, you know, didn't know what it was and saw it on TV, I'd be like, oh, this is Scorsese. Like it's got, yeah. it's just the way it really is like the characters uh, to me. Like, like his movie, the way he writes characters, especially these kinds of like, I don't know, like organized crime adjacent, like Italian New Yorker guys, uh, who you know, and there's always some sort of a like uh, interesting uh, love affair kind of thing, where like the guy is like, uh, I don't know, maybe a little nuts and like can't <laughs> you know can't stop yeah. doing bad things. Like it's 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 got like the you know it's got all the makings of of a Scorsese movie. Um, it's right. almost like, uh, like, like his later movies, the crime stuff, I, I'd be, I'll be interested to watch as like the, um, I guess the like breadth of the crime that happens, like is more intense. Like, like these like petty crimes that they're doing in this movie is so much smaller stakes than like, you know, casino. Oh, right. Good fellas. Yeah. For sure. I, I, um, I think that this film also has a lot in common with um, uh, Look Who's Knocking at My Door. Oh, yeah. That it's obviously starring Harvey Keitel, but it's also about like being Catholic and sort of being at odds with your own religion, you know, and and it's weird. It's like, it's like I, I really do feel like Mean Streets is the, 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 almost like his do-over for I uh, look who's knocking at my door um in a lot of ways like maybe you know 
maybe he wasn't i'm not saying not too happy with the way that film turned out but maybe he just had more to say on the subject you know he didn't feel like he could get he got it all out the first time um i there's a famous quote from john cassavetes who i mentioned on the boxcar bertha episode and scorsese seems to have you know i don't know if this is why he chose to do this picture but he this is seems to be uh, influential in his decision is uh, the quote was, you've just spent a year of your life making a piece of shit. Uh, and basically the, the quote goes on to pretty much say, go back to, you know, um, writing, Streets. making movies about your own experiences. Um, and that's what he did. That's what he did with who's that knocking at my door, even though, you know, that movies, it's obviously like a, st- almost like a student film in, in a lot of ways. And yeah. now we get to see him do that pretty much that same thing on a bigger scale with actual money. And he, what I really liked about what I was really happy about with this movie is like, now we're getting into like Scorsese has money to spend on music. Oh yeah. Cause he's like, just from that first, I mean, we're getting like jumping Jack flash right in the beginning and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's his first. It's, uh, it's his first. I, I I don't remember if uh, "Look Who's Knocking at My Door" uh, featured uh, the Stones in it at all. But uh, if not, then this would probably be the first time he's used the Rolling Stones. This is a band that he he kind of uh, uses a lot, like in 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 the same kind of way. Like uh, I don't know that they they have this like cool relationship. I feel like the Stones and, and him. Where he uh, he specifically "Gimme Shelter" a song is a song like he he'll use over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, I, I there's a lot of firsts here, needless to say, for Scorsese. Uh, a lot of first, uh, a lot of firsts. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it. I'm I'm excited to to see what uh, to hear what you thought of the film and what you think of the various, you know, moments in the film. Um, so yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's yeah. Get into so it. this is, uh, hold on a sec. The, so the, Scorsese co-wrote this with a guy who is going to come up again. And I think he might've co-wrote, uh, let me double check. No, he didn't co-write. Who's that knocking at my door? Um, he co-wrote uh, Mean Streets with Scorsese. It's a guy named Mardik Martin, who is... Uh, he immigrated to the U.S. from Iraq. He's an interesting guy. I listened to an interview with him uh, where he talks about Mean Streets. Um, okay. And he's pretty much like what it sounds like uh, is he's kind of like the story guy and Scorsese's kind of like the characters and, you know, a lot of the nuances and a lot of the, you know, cinematic thinking is Scorsese. Much like, um, you know, Mark Frost and David Lynch, like their collaboration. Like Mark Frost comes right. from this, you know, sitcom writing background, very disciplined TV writing, and David Lynch is this crazy filmmaker. Mar- I don't think Mardik Martin did TV, but he he was definitely that. He's he's one of those guys who had like a he what he called a seven year contract, which I get for, with uh, Warner Brothers or like some distribution company where they would just back in the day, I guess they would just give writers like 
set a seven year contract and they, oh, yeah? you're just basically working for a movie studio churning out scripts and some of them get made but you're like i'd imagine making a ton of money and getting a lot of stuff made um yeah. you're always empl- you're employed too which is like it's a weird thing for hollywood where it like kind of feels stable-ish i'm sure yeah um but yeah Marduk martin he, he's a funny he's he's funny in this interview it's like a q a and he uh <laughs> some woman asks uh like what what the deal is with uh harvey Keitel's character in flames uh-huh. and fire uh and Marduk martin like sort of starts to answer it and he's like i don't know it's like symbolism or something and you gotta have symbolism of film and then eventually he's just like ah who cares <laughs> <laughs> he's just like we put we put ideas in there that we think are good at the time is basically what he you know what he says he's just like who cares which i thought was really funny yeah and that's um, and that's really cool yeah. and that's really honest you know um yeah because i, I think like there that. is a lot of that in like anything creative mm-hmm. is yeah i mean yeah if you do anything people are just the way that someone like watches a movie is going to be different than the way that you made it you know right yeah people are going to fixate on different things I also like think that uh, so much of filmmaking uh, as I'm learning as we do this podcast is about, you know, acting from your gut. And I think like, you know, we did a whole basically uh, breakdown study of the works of David Lynch and that guy is just all gut. You know what I mean? Like everything he does seems like it just comes from this really pure place of creativity where he's, uh, you know, making decisions that uh, all somehow end up kind of tying in with one another, but it's all coming from his instinct. And I feel like Marty is a very uh, similar filmmaker, especially in these days. You know what I mean? In the early days. Um, oh yeah. Because uh, a lot of the, the, you know he gets he's pre- gets pretty weird. Oh yeah. Um, no gratuitous like nudity scene, like sex scenes in this one though. Like, yeah, which which bummed which me. Was out. like a weird <laughs> bump you out. Yeah. <laughs> um. The uh. So this is a. The, this movie was almost a uh, a black exploitation film, Jeremy. And this is kind of an interesting backstory. Going oh, back wow. to uh, uh, going back to uh, Corman. So Scorsese was looking for funding for this movie, and he sent the script to Corman. This is from Wikipedia, who agreed to back the film if all the characters were black. Uh, Scorsese was anxious to make the film, so he considered the option, uh, but an actress, uh, Verna Bloom, arranged a meeting with potential backer Jonathan Taplin, the road manager for the band. Taplin uh, raised three hundred grand for the movie uh, if Corman promised in writing to distribute the film. Um, and it seems like they got, you know, a little bit down the road with this idea, but eventually... Scorsese got funding from Warner Brothers, and he he, he was able to do Italian American characters. Oh yeah, which wow. is what he wanted to do. I I I don't I don't mind this film as a as a black exploitation film um, at all. I think that's actually pretty interesting. In fact, in this movie, you see sort of a weird like reckoning with uh, like the Italian communities and the black communities in New York. You know what I mean, like. Uh, so there's, st- I feel like there's still a little bit of that in here, which is, um, I don't know if that's, that is, uh, 
a holdover from this Roger Corman thing, or if it's if it was just always there in Scorsese's mind that he kind of wanted to talk about racism and race in the Italian American community. Um, but it's like, yeah, that's 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 really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that's I think that's cool. Corman's a Cor- Corman. All of his stipulations on stuff too is also just really funny to me. Like. All right, I'll make you. I'll let you make your dream project, but it's got to be my way. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be something also way different than you than you want. <laughs> right. Um, Coppola contributed money to the budget of the film. I didn't realize this in. Uh, uh, um, I want. I looked up like when this was when this came out in relation to The Godfather. Yeah. And uh, The Godfather. 72 mean streets 73 yeah interesting yeah that is pretty interesting um yeah it's it's just weird to think back that like this is a uh this is a time where the godfather's a new movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's weird to think about that you know Um, the innovative use of the handheld camera was largely down to the fact that the film's me- uh, meager budget didn't stretch to laying down lots of tracks for all the tracking shots. Honestly, a lot of that handheld camera stuff, like when we're in the ci- city streets, mm-hmm. uh, is like my some of my favorite shots in the film. I love yeah, it. Yeah, man. I, I, I love the, uh, the kind of documentary look yeah. of... Uh of, of mean streets. I, and, and, and a lot of his, uh, Scorsese's early, early stuff, you know, kind of has this, this, the same kind of vibe, this like handheld, like documentary style, um, you know, really DIY, which is, I don't know. It just really helps. It really works. I think the energy just really works for me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun little movie. It's, it's also like, it also still has that student film quality of his, of his first two films, which I, you know, I ain't I ain't mad at you know. Um, another uh, cinematic moment that I like is uh, Harvey Keitel's drunk scene. Apparently, yeah. the camera was strapped to him, uh, strapped to his body while he swayed <laughs> about, and uh, undercranked to give it a woozy, drunken feel. Yeah, that's a great scene, by the Looks way, where cool. he's playing yeah. pool with the shot glasses on the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Clearing the songs for use in the film ended up being approximately half of its budget. Yeah. I could see that. And you know what? If I was going to make a film, uh, I would also put music as half my budget. You know what I mean? Like, I I think it's so important and, you know, I, I would, I would easily just sacrifice, you know, camera to for for music or, or or you know what i mean or getting a huge celebrity for music i i think it's like i don't know there's something just so vital about that to this film um looking at the soundtrack we got the shirelles we got the ronettes we got uh the chantal chantels chantals chantels Love cream it. oh yeah uh yeah, we got some good stuff in this. Um, Jeremy, anything you wanted to talk about before we get into the plot? No, not at all. I'm excited. Ready to go. 
Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, hold on a second. Charlie, a young Italian-American man in New York's Little Italy, is hampered by the feeling by his feeling of responsibility towards his reckless younger friend Johnny Boy, a small-time gambler and ne'er-do-well who refuses to work and owes money to many loan sharks. So, yeah, that's pretty much the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie distilled into one sentence. Um, yeah, our introduction to Johnny is pretty is pretty iconic, I, f- I feel like, too. He's just... Uh, um, but the first time we see him, he he for no reason at all just blows up a mailbox. <laughs> yeah, I was it's, thinking about the, like why he does that. I don't know why he does it, but it's kind of like his uh his trait, you know, like his or his calling card or his like little bit his little uh moniker or something. It's just like chaos. Um, there's something about it that's like I don't know. He just he just right away he just seems so dangerous and so reckless. So, yeah, I I got to be honest, I was like a little bit, this is one of those movies where I was kind of like so, um, like the visuals and like some of the, some of that performances and things kind of distracted me from like what was actually happening. Oh, and I kinda totally, just, totally. Uh, so what was going on with the, uh, the adapters, like the lens thing in the beginning? It, it's it's nothing. It, it has nothing to do with anything. It was just uh, okay. it was just showing you the character of uh, I believe uh, Michael. So there's Tony, Michael, Johnny, and Charlie, and and Michael is the uh, he's the guy who ends up you know well no you know no spoilers but he's a uh, he's a he's like the businessman. He's like the man who's got a you know a lot going on. Um, uh, and and we see him at the very beginning of this, where he's like maybe not all, all that good at at the business side of it, actually. Right. Uh, we uh, yeah, we see that he's uh, bought. Uh, he, he thinks he's buying German lenses, and he's actually bought. Um, he's bought Japanese adapters. Uh, what what that means? You know, it just means that he got he bought something that isn't exactly like <laughs> good or, or or what he wanted. I mean, and we can kind of we can kind of tell that just from the the reaction of the person in the car with him. <laughs> um, but is hampered by his feeling of responsibility towards his reckless younger brother, our younger friend Johnny Boy. Robert De Niro, a small-time gambler who owes money to many loan sharks. Charlie works for his uncle Giovanni, uh, the local capor. <laughs> not <laughs> not gonna know how to say this. Do you have you seen that word before? Are you looking at this word? Yeah, it's um. Let me see here. Uh, n- cousin Teresa, powerful mafioso. Yeah, wait, wait. No, I, I, I'm not. I was looking at a different one. Okay, Charlie is having a secret affair with Johnny's cousin, Teresa, who has epilepsy ah. and is ostracized because of her condition, especially by uh, Charlie's uncle, Giovanni, a powerful mafioso. Giovanni wants Charlie to distance himself from Johnny, saying, honorable men... 
Go with honorable men. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What do you think of uh, <gasps> Teresa? I like Teresa. I think she's a good character. Um, yes. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's really cool. And you know, this is like. I don't know that I don't I don't th- I don't dislike necessarily the character in um Boxcar Bertha or uh look who's knocking at my door. I I just think that like this is like the most I don't know like not uh realistic per- per- portrayal of a of a woman that Scorsese's done you know in, in my mind. I mean may- maybe maybe uh a, a women would disagree, but I I think it's uh it it works it works for me where she seems both vulnerable but yet uh, you know strong she doesn't really take you know uh her her <laughs> she doesn't really take shit from charlie or uh or johnny you know um but in, in the ways that she's vulnerable is just you know medically uh what's interesting about amy robinson who plays Teresa, you may not have seen her very much on the screen uh, she, you know, is in this, is in Mean Streets. She's in a couple TV series and TV movies, but she's mainly a uh, producer. And she's her last thing she did was in '09. But oh, she wow. uh, is, uh, 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 she comes back to work with Scorsese again, uh, for After Hours. She's a producer on After Hours. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I, I love seeing stuff like that because that means that. You know, there's a good chance that she had a good experience on Main Streets and oh yeah, liked working with Marty and liked the way he worked. And yes, also a producer on Johnny Depp's From Hell. Great, <laughs> <laughs> great. Not not quite as not quite not quite my favorite, but great. <laughs> uh, Charlie is torn between his devout Catholicism and his illicit work for Giovanni. Uh, Johnny becomes increasingly self-destructive and disrespectful of his creditors. Um, yeah, so I guess in Who's That Knocking at My Door, we kind of get the same thing, this guy who's like, uh, you know, struggling to deal with the fact that he's like, you know, ha- is Wants Catholic, but he <laughs> yeah. is also like, Yes, wants to do Super all these horny. things that he's, not, <laughs> yeah, that he's forbidden to do. And uh, in this movie, it's more like he's torn between like crime and right. uh, Catholicism, which I think is like more interesting to me. And I think yeah. like a little bit more, <clears throat> I don't know. It seems like it holds a little bit more weight or something. It's like... Cause he's doing some bad stuff. He's getting into fights and things and what what have you. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's I think it's uh, um, definitely a more compelling story than Who's That Knocking at My Door, uh, for sure. And you know because I guess you know because it, the subject matter is crime, it makes it feel like <laughs> I don't know. It's more interesting to watch, quite frankly, than you know just just the I don't know bunch of bunch of weird '60s sex stuff. Which can What's, be interesting, but <laughs> what is more compelling to watch to you? Uh, who's that knocking at my door, or whose line is it anyway? Oh, uh, definitely whose line is it anyway? <laughs> but only when they do weird sex stuff in that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, uh, failing to receive redemption in the church, Charlie seeks it through sacrificing himself on Johnny's behalf. Uh, at a bar, a loan shark named Michael comes looking for Johnny to pay up. Uh, to his surprise, Johnny insults him. Uh, Michael lunges at Johnny, who pulls a gun. After a tense standoff, Michael walks away, and Charlie convinces Johnny that they should leave town for a brief period. Teresa insists on coming with them. Charlie borrows a car, and they drive off, leaving the neighborhood without incident. Okay, a lot of stuff. I got. I am uh, remembering that we skipped over. Um, I guess the first fight scene. In the uh, you know, they're hitting each other with pool cues. There's uh, right. what probably the Chantals are playing. Uh, you know, one of these doo-wop songs. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great scene too because that's that is the yes. Mook scene, which I did look up. Uh, Eric, it is a it is an insult, uh, an Italian American insult. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can say. Uh, well, I don't know if we can say <laughs> Mook, but uh, Mook is definitely a funny. It's it's sort of this. I'm not gonna lie. When people talk about Mean Streets, uh, most of the time they bring up the Mook scene as being like got it point, pointing to it as being like oh this is so funny it's like this really weird scene where these guys are so like trying to be so macho with each other and one guy just calls a guy a name and no one really understands it what what it means but they just know they don't like it <laughs> so <laughs> the scene is just about like guys getting pissed off for no reason because they have no frame of reference for is it is this even a is this <laughs> even a slur or not you know yeah Man, I'm kind of like looking at this pool hall scene a little bit and just watching how the fighting's done. Yeah. And it's so good. It's like the way like it's it's you know, when you're paying attention to like the camera movement and stuff and you and you know that they it really is just straight up handheld. Yeah. It just it works really well. I'm watching them like the you know, whoever is DP. Do you, is Marty doing the camera work? Do you know? I actually don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Whoever's doing it is like walking around, like following these guys, beating the crap out of each other. The fighting looks realistic. This looks like a real, I you know, I mentioned this about Boxcar Bertha even, is like, this looks like real fighting. It looks like real violence. And yeah. I, you know. Um, yeah, there's a couple of moments in this film that look like people actually got hurt. Like later on, there's like yeah. going to be a soldier who like grabs a woman and like really tosses her around a room and it, it looks like painful. <laughs> right. Um wait, let me figure this out. Who was the director of director of photography? Kent L. Wakeford. Yeah. Let's see what Wakeford's up to. Uh oh, we'll see him again. Uh, the in the next Scorsese episode on Alice doesn't live here anymore. Uh, Mean Streets. Alice doesn't live here anymore. A whole bunch of episodes of L.A. Law. <laughs> cool. A lot of stuff I've never heard of. Well, that's cool. good. He works with Marty again. He then. did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a car that has been following them suddenly pulls up with Michael at the wheel and his henchman. Jimmy Shorts <laughs> in the backseat. <laughs> there is another funny name that I can't remember. Uh, it's like Johnny. It's like J- something Clam, Jimmy Clam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Jeremy the Butcher would fit right in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Jeremy uh, the Butcher. Jimmy fires several shots at Charlie's car, hitting Johnny in the neck and Charlie in the hand, causing Charlie to crash the car into a fire hydrant. This is pretty intense, by the way. I did not remember that this happens. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Yeah, man. Also, her scream, that scream is very realistic. The uh, Amy Robinson freaking out about the gunshot. Oh, yeah. uh, Johnny is seen in an alleyway staggering toward a white light, which is revealed to be a police car. Charlie gets out of the crashed vehicle and kneels in the spurting water from the hydrant, dazed and bleeding, which uh, is a parody, a horror parody I'm writing about dazed and confused. <laughs> dazed and bleeding. Yeah. Uh, Paramedics uh, take Teresa and Charlie away. Johnny's fate remains unknown. So, uh, yeah. What do you think of that, you know, movie? (laughs) You know, that movie, uh, that movie pretty good. I got to say, like, um, it's still not, it's still not my favorite by any stretch. I don't even think it's in... I doubt it'll even be in my top 10 Scorsese's, but again, like this is the first time we're working with Harvey Keitel. It's the first time we're working with Robert De Niro. Uh, this might be De Niro's very first like big role in something. Um, we're dealing with Catholicism. We're dealing with Italian Americans. We're dealing with crime. Like this is, this is all really good stuff. You know what I mean? Like this is, mm-hmm. this is, um, this is sort of the beginning of what is going to be a long and, uh, successful career in the arts for Martin Scorsese. And, I, and I'm really glad uh, that it exists. Um, and there's definitely moments of brilliance in it, for sure. But again, it is ju- it is kind of just like... there. It, it, I do find it... I, I hate to even use this word because it just feels so trite, but like it's a little boring at times. You know, it's, it's just like a little... It's a little old. It's a little old school, too. I think some of the uh, deeper revelations of the film... Are, are a little hard to... Um, you really got to put yourself there, you know, in the time it was made. Because there's, like, things said and little um, little discoveries throughout that are meant to be a little deep, like, pretty deep. And I think they come off as just a little easy nowadays. And, uh, yeah, I think its handling of, like, race is, is like, pretty interesting. Um, it's perspective, anyway. But I do feel like, you know, it, it, it maybe should have committed... A little harder to um to uh to sort of answering a few more questions about that like that whole sequence we get where he's about to go on a date with that with that black woman is it's it's like i i'm glad that's there for sure because he makes a comment earlier in the film and i i really was like hoping that wouldn't be the last time we heard of uh of charlie's you know feelings about about you know, other, other demographics other than himself. Right. Uh, but then, you know, but even, even with that date scene where he just sort of drives off and doesn't end up going on a date with her, uh, the film doesn't seem to truly for me, really answer, you know, exactly what that is or where that comes from or, or why things are the way they are. And I I don't, I didn't need someone to beat me over the head with it, but I did what I would have liked, I think just a little bit more there. They're also very mean to that gay guy, you know? And I I think that like the characters of mean streets are mean, you know, they're like mean, they're like mean kind of awful, awful dudes. 
And uh, I, today it makes Charlie a little bit less sympathetic than I think he might have been in 1973. Uh, and it definitely, you know, Johnny Boy is just... I mean, I think I think Johnny Boy is one of the all-time great Scorsese characters, but man, he is just hard to watch at times. He's so yeah. self, uh, self like defeating, or or like uh, so. Uh, you know, he puts himself in the wrong situations constantly, unapologetically. Like, does not care. Almost gets like a kick out of it. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Martin Scorsese, I was curious to know uh, how old he was yeah. when Mean Streets came out. So he's 78, born in 42, Mean Streets came out in 73. So he's he's around our age. He's like, yeah. you know, I, probably 31 when this movie comes out, 30, right. 31, 32, uh, somewhere in there. And, and um, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting to see like a, basically a low... Not to say that, uh, you know, Who's That Knocking at My Door is, like, the exact same movie as this. But I think thematically, I think uh, in a lot of different ways, in the in the characters and, the you know, the lifestyle that we see and um, a lot of these different elements, it's really interesting that we kind of get to see <coughs> um, our student film version feature... Mm. And then we get to see like a Hollywood picture version of, of the same thing, like a little while later, not like back to back, like obviously hard eight. When we talk about hard eight, that came from a short film, you know, uh, this, this is different because Scorsese, Scorsese, you know, does this movie and then he goes off and he like has a chance to make a movie for someone else. And he sort of did the movie's not very good, you know, boxcar Bertha, and he kind of goes back and he had this experience and he goes back to doing um, something that he's really passionate about. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's cool that this, um, you know, I, I guess I would have like guessed this uh, having not, if I hadn't seen any of his early movies. But it's cool that his, you know, first real like the stories that he wants to tell are kind of not the same thing, but very similar to a lot of stories that he's told in his like, you know, at this point, yeah, fifty-year career, yeah. Um, it's cool and it's interesting, and it kind of speaks to like, this is just what this guy does. This is what he likes to do. This is what he likes to write about, and what he likes to show people. And we definitely get to see him do a lot of different stuff later on. I mean, After Hours, my favorite Scorsese movie is, um, in a lot of ways, nothing like Mean Streets at all. But also, in a lot of ways, it's like similar in that yeah. we're kind of... I don't know. We're just seeing it. It just feels like he's writing about him. He's writing about something that he cares about, uh, especially in the characters and stuff. And I think that's really cool. And also we get Catherine, right? Isn't his mom's name Catherine? Oh yeah. Yeah. We did. We get her in there for sure. Uh, I, I I agree, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's nothing like after hours, but at the same time, it's a lot like after hours. Like it's, it's kind of both like visually actually, I think this movie and after hours are, share a lot in common but uh obviously the story not you know not not quite but uh just the amount of trouble the the both main characters get themselves into you know that kind of reminds me of (laughs) 
they kind of remind me of each other a little bit. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's cool just to see how personal this film is. You just can feel it. The film's very personal. Man. Yeah. That being said, there's a lot of really good Scorsese movies, and I think there's better, significantly better, in my opinion, versions of this later on his career. In his career, I don't know. Like, I would be happy to watch this movie again. I don't know if I will. Like, I, yeah. I and I would be fine with that. Because there's better, that like what I get got out of this movie was just like a you know similar you know I took the same thing I take the same thing away from like a casino or something but it's it's a much on a much smaller level and that's like, not necessarily yeah. a bad thing it's just no. like he progressed so much in his filmmaking in my eyes that it's like I don't even really like. I mean, we'll see about like Raging Bull and some of these. I haven't seen Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore, but I I think the like for me the sweet spot for Scorsese is much later than some of these directors we've talked about in the past. I mean, my favorite Wes Anderson is his first movie, right? You know what I mean, right, right. That's good. I feel like that's kind of on the rarer side, though. Like. Um, I think that it is, it, it's a lot more common than it isn't that a director gets better and better as, as they, as they age and as they have more life experience and as they sort of, you know, uh, come into their own and on a technical level, I, I, but I think that, uh, you know, it, me, yeah, I'll probably watch mean streets again. I bet, I bet you it'll be like in another 10, 10 years you know it's been about 10 years since i've seen it the first time it'll be about 10 years probably since i'll uh, when i'll see it again uh and you're right there's 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 a lot more scorsese films that do a very uh similar thing or have a similar vibe um but i feel the same way about like going overboard man i may never watch going overboard again <laughs> you know like uh it, it especially when there's billy madison sitting right there it's this it's kind of the same thing it's like Right. It's like, oh, you just di- ended up doing this way, way, way better <laughs> not that much longer after, you know? Um, yeah, well, we will be watching uh, Mean Streets again when we start our... Um, after, after we finish Scorsese and Sandler, we do our uh, Robert Carradine yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just pulled a random name from the cast list. Uh, Jeremy, what are you giving this? Chucky Freckles. Chucky Three Freckles of, uh, wise, How many out of four? Out of four, I'm going to give it a, a two. I think it's right there in the yeah. middle for me. It's, you know, not it's not knocking my socks off. It's not a total piece of shit, you know? It's a, it's a two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm still bitter that you wouldn't let me give Billy Madison greater than a four. Because <laughs> I do think it deserves a five out of four. Uh, mean Streets. I think I'm also going to give this movie a two. I, I just, you know, I do think it's a good movie. I think, yeah. and I'm excited. It got me really excited to to get in, you know, to keep going on the Scorsese uh, filmography. But oh, yeah. Which kind of goes back to what I was saying. I just think there's there's a lot better versions of this that he's done, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a cool movie. It's good stuff. That scene, right. that jump in Jack Flash scene. That's like one of my favorite intros. Oh yeah, to a um, character. To a character. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's great. 
but I just I, I just know we're going to be getting a lot of good, really good stuff later on. So uh, next episode, we're going to talk. Uh, we doing Gilmore? Happy G? Uh, yeah, Gilmore Girls. Yes. <laughs> we're going to be discussing the entire series. Uh, it's going to be a 46-hour long episode. <laughs> so... I hope you freed some space on your, you know, iPod. On my, on my, on my heart, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I definitely did, and definitely cannot wait to talk Happy Gilmore. Uh, what a treat that's going to be! Holy cow! Holy cow! This is the this is this is the moment. This is the this is number two of the big two. Yeah, you know the price is wrong, Jeremy. The price is wrong. Is that uh, right? <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yes, it is Happy Gilmore. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll be doing that. Jeremy, anything you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, just my Twitter. You can follow me at Ocarina of Crime. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, follow the show at, at HubieHalloween1. Uh, Jeremy, I got to get a letterboxed. Someone messaged us, and I, I keep... Is it letterboxed? Yeah, letterboxed. Yeah, letterboxed. I got to get one of those going, either for the show or for myself. I might do one for the show and just like go back through all the movies that we've rated. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I, I might do that, though. Or I'll yeah. just like start it, and I'll kind of like... As we rate these films, I'll, I'll update the letterboxed. But I'm going to try and get one of those going. Someone... Uh, I think two people have actually messaged us asking oh, us if cool. we're on there. Yeah, uh, Double Double Feature Feature has uh, a letterbox, or at least Alex uh, does letterbox stuff for all the films that Got we it. watch. I think it's a good idea. Um, so I don't know. Look forward to that if I ever, you know, feel like doing that. Doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy if you want to support the show. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.